Coming to you pre-recorded from a cramped closet in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a New York City apartment far too close to the street. It's your favorite millennials with too much time on their hands. Welcome to the Red Team Reviews Podcast. Hello and welcome to another spectacular edition of the Red Team Reviews Podcast. I, of course, the voice you're hearing currently right now, am the voice of TJ Patrick. Uh, The last time we will be doing some Spider-Man thing, so this is the last time I'm doing Spider-Man stuff, joined, as always, by the PS5 version to my PS4 version. Trevor Catalano. I I don't know what that means. We'll talk about it. Um... (laughs) It's I really, stupid. I thought you were going to say the Scorpia to my Catra because that feels pretty ap- appropriate. Um, as in, sorry, as in you are Catra and I'm Scorpia. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> I get it's difficult for me because I like Catra. So it's difficult for me to go like, I don't know. Am I like on the same plane of existence as a character that I actually like? Uh <laughs> But yes, today we have a very odd episode. Um, so yeah, uh, today you may have noticed that Trevor uh, referenced She-Ra and the Princess of Power. Um, so about last, about last Rejector Renew, uh, <laughs> I suggested a show, and then thought TJ's of, everything wrong with the podcast. Thought, thought, I thought about it for like more than five minutes. Because I never expected to win like twice in a row, <laughs> so I was just like, "Oh no, I've done it again." <laughs> so I was like, "Let me actually do a a real pick." And She-Ra's been kicking around for a while. This was like the nomination of Donald Trump. No one thought it would get where it went, and yet here we are. Oh boy! And w- you know what? I'll not. <laughs> Let me not. Um, but. Yeah, and then I didn't think too hard about it. I was just like, yeah, we've been knocking around She-Ra for a while, and people want to talk about She-Ra, and I keep getting semi-spoiled on She-Ra, so let's get She-Ra out of the way. And then I neglected to think about the fact that we were doing Spider-Man month, and duh, idiot, it probably should have been a Spider-Man show, but we're here now, and... I'm... I. We are like recording this not in order, and I'm already a little Spider-Man'd out, so... Spider-Man... <laughs> Na 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 Spider-Man. Um so yeah, we are going to be later on talking about She-Ra and the Princess of Power, uh, because sure, why not? But first, we should talk about PS4 Spider-Man, which is now also technically PS5 Spider-Man, but whatever. Insomniac Spider-Man. Sure. Let's talk about it. Uh this is not the story of a girl. Uh, this is... I Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time we're genuinely talking about a video game, actually, right? Yeah, and, you know, to give some context, like, it's... Why this? Why now? Not just because we were looking for other spider material and we absolutely were not going to do the Sony villain-verse, um... We were not going to do that. Maybe we'll do it for shits and giggles one day when we're getting paid. But um, (laughs) 
But no, we, we really didn't have any interest in doing that. Actually, I should say I had interest in doing it because I think it'd be a riotous laugh, but it'd be a lot of work to get there. Um, but TJ has for a long time, every time we like text about the MCU or talk about Spider-Man, you bring up this game. And so I'm like, OK, you know, that's not a bad thing to sit through. I mean, there's going to be some elements that I'll touch on that it's like, this is a game. It's not a movie. And so it's going to be different in a lot of ways, in some yeah. ways that I find less satisfying than a movie because uh, I didn't play it. I did not play it. I watched five hours worth of a playthrough um, with like relevant gameplay and uh, relevant gameplay and cutscenes online. Yeah. Uh, also it should be noted. Yeah. The pacing of a game, very different to the pacing of a movie. So it'll be interesting to see like how this goes. Um, because this is the first video game that we're actively talking about. Like we've referenced things like Pokemon and Assassin's Creed and, uh, Dragon Age here and there and Mass Effect here and there and things like that. But like Talking about we? the, the campaign... Yes, we have mentioned Assassin's Creed and Pokemon, asshole. <laughs> yes, we did yeah, that. Yeah, I meant the later thing. I meant the later thing. <laughs> yes, I know, but it was all part of the same thought. <laughs> and you say I'm mean. Um, talking about a campaign... I'm just putting my defenses up for later. <laughs> so, because I already know how Rejector Renew is going to go. Um... Um, and you know, the, the thing of how it typically goes, um, right. I actually do my job and think of things critically. You're full of and shit. <laughs> Trevor. So talking. Trevor wants to be the Mass face Effect of this podcast. Reference. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this reference, but let me tell you, this guy's just like this character from dragon age and man, you know, me and my six other fans, we were really upset about that. Mass Effect and Dragon Age are very popular games. It's not my fault that you only play Pokemon on the fucking Switch, okay? <laughs> hey, and Sid Meier's Civilization, okay? <laughs> I legit didn't even know you fucking played that. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I'm very good at it. Uh, well, I shouldn't say very good. I, I play on normal difficulty level. Well, yeah, now um, you're going to get challenged. <laughs> I, I can the beat anybody gauntlet. in my circle the gauntlet's uh, gonna get anyway. thrown um so so yeah we're talking about a video game and like i think the conversation really revolves around the fact that it's like sony keeps fucking up they do and they have two successful stories with spider-man and it's this video game and into the spider-verse like mm. that's those are their successful stories and they can't seem to do it elsewhere and so is it the fact that they got a video game medium to do it? I truly don't think it is. I think it really has to do with the stories you choose and the people you get to write them. Like it. So that's that's kind of my starting point on this is that like, you know, I liked a lot of things involved with this, but I absolutely could see this becoming a successful MCU adaptation. Um, I don't think Sony could do it, but somehow they did it this way. So, I mean, I think it's because... Peter Parker has a very sketchy history when it comes to fucking games. Like, I agree. A lot of people have fucked up Spider-Man in terms of video games. And well, also a lot of them were based around a lot of the Spider-Man games that came out were based around the Sam Raimi movies. I had Spider-Man three for the PS two. Um, well, and yeah. it was a whole like thing. Well, yeah, I mean like three, lit like literally three games were based on the Sam Raimi movie because you know, um, 
And oh, and wasn't there that like edge of darkness thing where everybody was venomized? Edge of tomorrow. Uh, there were a lot of some people have mixed opinions on things. There was edge of tomorrow, shattered dimensions, friend or foe. Like, there's been a yeah, lot. Yeah, I remember that. Trying to get this fucking thing right. Even people romanticizing Spider-Man too. It's like. I don't know, dog. Even as somebody that did grow up with Spider-Man 2, <laughs> if you put Spider-Man 2 in my hands right now, I don't know if I would immediately love it again. Like, I don't know. Some things just age in unexpected ways. And then you got to deal with fucking Tobey Maguire just oofing all the voice over line. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's right. They did bring them in back then to do that shit. Yeah. It can't be worse than the Fantastic Four GameCube game that I played, where they literally just cut to cut scenes from the movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, shit. I mean, you'd be surprised. Uh, some of Spider-Man's shit is really... Ugh. So, I mean, that's context, though, to when this game came out and everyone started seeing footage and they started seeing the build and they're like, holy shit, this actually kind of looks competent <laughs> and you know a lot of us immediately once we heard insomniac games were doing we're like oh okay yeah that's actually somebody that we somewhat trust um for those unfamiliar insomniac games other than this now are probably most familiar for like the ratchet and clank games which i haven't even played but just i'm oh i love ratchet and clank games yeah, it's just like, I just, I'm aware that Ratchet and Clank, oh, and Spyro uh, for a time. Like, yeah, those old PlayStation feels where it's like, you you really can't, it's third person and you do have like shooter or something else like that. But like, there's just general game, old gamey feel of like, okay, cool, I'm going to walk through this area and I'm going to kill bad guys along the way and I'm going to get to the next story point. I'm going to get to the next story point. I'm going to get to the next story point. And it's like, it's just enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like the thing of, uh, like what is this sort of secret ingredient of kind of making a version of Spider-Man that like, because so many people have tried and failed, I think it genuinely just is like, are you going to give them time first and foremost? Cause some of those games just straight up failed because like, well, yeah, they were on a fucking deadline that made no sense and they were rushed or the higher ups didn't let them do whatever the fuck they needed to do. Yada, yada, yada. And then sometimes this literally it's unavoidable. It's a thing of, you just got to have writers on the staff that know and give a shit about Spider-Man. Honestly, like that's just part of it. Um, Well, we, we just, we also like, we listed a bunch of Spider-Man games from like, you know, our, our mid to late teens and like all of those things had gimmicky game mechanics too. Yeah. It's where it's like in this game, you're going to play like this. And it's like over time you learn to be very wary of those things of like, cause like, honestly, one thing you mentioned me playing Pokemon, one thing about Pokemon that I don't like in the new gens is when they add like the Dynamaxing and the Z moves. And I'm just like, I don't need a game mechanic to make it interesting for me. I'm sure it's interesting for like competitive players with battles, but I'm like, that's not the interesting thing for me. And so when you add like weird game mechanics that I have to like really learn and it's kind of tricky to pull off or it's just bland, then I'm like, I don't care about this. Yeah. Genuinely. I was watching a video the other day 
Um, and somebody just briefly mentioned the idea of rebooting Pokemon. I was just like, honestly, we there's a lot of talk about like, oh, rebooting this, rebooting that, rebooting this, and various opinions within that. Genuinely, one of the things that maybe could actually use a fucking reboot and it would work is probably Pokemon because I feel like when when they say that, is it like is it like, you know, hey, maybe throw Bidoof in Kanto and just pretend he's always been there kind of thing or I mean, it's just a thing of none of the stories have ever mattered. None of the characters have ever mattered. The thing that's most important is the Pokemon themselves and the mechanics of the games of which they it's this thing of for some reason they just hate carrying things over that actually makes sense to be carried over. Like it's actually criminal. The fact that in heart gold and soul silver, you got a partner Pokemon to like walk with you behind you. And it was the cutest fucking thing. And that's why I love playing heart gold, soul silver. And then just, they refuse to do it. They just keep not doing it. Except for let's go Pikachu and Eevee that in and of itself was a gigantic gimmick and departure from the actual mainline games. So it's just this thing of, fuck, can you just go back to basics, have a thing that you're going to do, and then just build on that? Stop doing these... Well, not only that, like, in X and Y, they introduced the concept of, like, they're not going to evolve permanently, but we're going to do the mega evolutions. And a lot of them are fucking cool. And there's no other games where you get to do that. Um, except for that, and uh, I guess I guess Sun and Moon did that. But, like, yeah, I don't get to mega evolve any of my Pokemon from uh, Sword and Shield, and I'm, like, annoyed about that. They have another evolution. Let me use it. Yeah, but, you know, circling back... Um, yeah, the thing we're supposed to talk about. <laughs> it's, it is kind of a thing of... It's not wholly separate, though. The The idea of, like, why can't you just keep certain things and just build on that? Like, that's weirdly, in a roundabout way, kind of been also true for superhero adaptations in general. Like, it is also a thing of, like, there are certain phases and eras of superhero movies and tactics about doing it where it's like everyone's chasing this flavor. Of the mo- This is very relevant for video games in general, by the way. Video games have adopted this thing of, like, everyone's now chasing the flavor of the month kind of, like, thing where for a while it was military shooters. For a while it was, you know, I guess MOBAs or something like that. For a while it was open world games now it's the live service model and it's just like it's ruined so many games that could have just been okay if they would have done their own fucking thing and that's also relevant to superhero movies in this fact it's relevant to movies in general it's relevant to movies like it's it's another industry that's like well we're not going to green light your thing unless you incorporate this exactly but because that's what everybody wants because like when Sam Raimi Spider-Man came out. We had all the Sam Raimi Spider-Man like clones where they tried to do similar things, but it was with different characters. So it didn't quite work. And then they also tried to subvert it in some ways, which that didn't work either. And it's just fucking stupid. And then everything needed to be gritty because Batman begins and brooding. And that's where we get the fucking amazing Spider-Man movies trying to hawk that shit. And it was disgusting and i just (sighs) and then everybody tried to get on shared universes and no one could do it 
it's just like fuck man just come up with your own thing and here right i think the reason that this game really succeeds is because yeah insomniac games just was just like let's just do our own fucking thing <laughs> let's just let's just make a goddamn spider-man game because a spider-man game could be good and then just take bits and pieces from spider-man lore and mythos and just do it <laughs> just they very much they took the concept of the sinister six and they just like saved it for the end game and then they really did base it off of the comic book arc that introduced mr negative like that's that's really what most of this is based on yeah and you know people are also going to say like oh also the gameplay is really good i have my own things about the gameplay but that's also not what we're here to talk about so yeah i would say that like jeff are just watching it i don't I don't know that the controls like because it gives you prompts about like, oh, I I could tell like, oh, using different controls that pop up on enemies will do different things to them. And part of me is like, man, this game is very long and I think I'd get bored of those mechanics very quickly. It's I think honestly, with just a few tweaks here and there, it might be fine because there's enough there to let you express yourself in a certain way of like, you could fight this way, you could fight that way, you could be more stealth, you know, focused and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But it is a thing of like, yeah, in a story driven game where you're more likely to binge play it for a while, it is a thing of like, it's now up to the story to give you some variation and a lot of that variation came in playing as Mary Jane, playing as Miles. And, right. of course, that's the part that fucking gamers hated the most because ugh, it's just like, because then if they didn't have that stuff in there, it would be a thing of, like you said, of just like, it would be, it would get old if you didn't change it up every now and again. But then you do, and then they hate it. Or, like, the puzzles that are in the game of, like, who wants to fucking play puzzles? This is a Spider-Man game. I'm like, I... I love puzzles. I do my favorite... I actually got really tired of my most recent Assassin's Creed run. I wanted to do all the puzzles I never did my first playthrough for all, like, the, you know, hidden shit. And then I got really annoyed with the story itself because I was like, I really like these puzzles. Yeah, like, my favorite single-player game is Portal 2. It's literally all puzzles. (laughs) Puzzles and story. Why is it called puzzles? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the puzzle. The real crux of it is because I mean, I can speak to certain things, but the really interesting angle to come at this is what you thought of the story. Um, I should we should we give the people a recap of what the story is? I think I could do that very quickly. Um, let's do that, but let's also be aware of, like, unlike with a lot of things we might talk about on this podcast, there is going to be a gigantic portion of the people that listen to this that have not played it. So, yeah, I mean, let's just go ahead and, with certain things that make sense, maybe not just outright say certain things. So, yeah, so you basically start with Spider-Man, and Spider-Man already has a rogues gallery. Um, you get, like, a pop-up uh in the bottom of the screen every time you put somebody away in the in the early game uh of who's at who's at the raft uh the super prison and so you could tell that like oh he's already had run-ins with rhino and scorpion and electro and vulture uh and like shockers and you know some of the early game because you always have to face shocker first in a fucking spider-man game um 
And so, like, yeah, he's already got this rose gallery. My Aunt May is already working for Feast, uh, the the charity, the the homeless shelter. Um, and he's on the rocks with MJ. You know, a very standard uh, Spider-Man story. He's working with Doc Ock uh, to help him, like, fix his, you know, uh, finish his project. He's working for Doc Ock. Uh, and Doc Ock is eventually going to, you know, become Doc Ock throughout the movie um, or throughout the game. Norman Osborn is the mayor in this one, which is not an unfamiliar story. Um, and so essentially you're plugging away with Peter and there's this new gang after he, ta- he you take down Wilson Fisk in the very beginning of the game. Um, and then once Fisk's like mob leaves a void you start to see this new group come in and they're all uh you know it's this it's this asian gang uh that they eventually call the demons and they all have this weird energy power and there's a lot of suspicion around them they're they're robbing uh wilson fisk's like like art collection which has something to do with the lore that inspires them um and eventually you come to realize that like oh the person who's the head of the charity organization that Aunt may works for martin lee is somehow connected to them. Oh, shit. Martin Lee is actually a supervillain who with superpowers to essentially use darkness to corrupt people and and either mind control them or make them go a little bit berserk. Um, And he is essentially trying to get a hold of an old Oscorp chemical weapon uh, so that he can get revenge for some reason that we don't understand on Norman Osborn. Um, meanwhile, you know, you're, you're helping Doc Ock build his stuff. Doc Ock also has a relationship with, uh, with Osborn. Um, so you're, you're eventually spending about, you know, of the five hours I watched, about three hours of that, you really think that Mr. Negative is the main villain of the game. And then around that time, after everybody ends up in the raft, but then Doc Ock kind of comes around and becomes Doc Ock, you get the scenes from the trailer of this game, which is when all six of them are finally released and united under Doc Ock. Um as the Sinister Six kicking Peter's ass. And then you have to go around the city, essentially stopping them in pairs uh, to to get to the bottom of why everyone is gunning for Norman and why this biological weapon specifically. Uh, and, you know, Peter Parker wins in the end because it's Spider-Man because you played the game and that's the point. Um, Miles is there. Miles' dad dies throughout, you know, the various different sequences of the game um, and then becomes, you know, somebody that you're close with. We eventually see his spider bite happen. Uh, Mary Jane has a very specific relationship to Peter in this one where uh, it's like contentious between the two of them because she wants to be helpful. They very much do like the because there's different versions of MJ across all the different versions of spider-man this one is definitely the i'm also a reporter and i'm also going here to go i'm also here to help a little gwen stacy mixed in there with her um that's pretty much it that kind of gives you the sense of the game right yep so yeah so to say my opinion on the story i really like the mr negative story so that's something that i when we said you know i think we had talked about when people were suggesting, oh, is there going to be a Spider-Man 4 in the MCU? We don't know. They really set it up to where there could be or could not be, and he could just show up at future uh, independent films. But there's a lot of push, I think, to keep that that train going. And I think a Mr. Negative story, especially because Feast is in the MCU, is a great one to potentially look into uh, because it's more complex and it's a newer rogues gallery person. He's one of the few... There was a period during Spider-Man comics after the controversial you know, one more day and brand new day where they really started trying things like let's introduce some completely new villains. Let's just make up a new villain. And Mr. Negative is by far the most popular of that set. Uh, and the whole sequence in the game where you think 
where, you know, you go on a hallucination in Peter's mind. Uh, in the actual comics, Peter does get like corrupted and ends up, it's less of a mind control thing in the comics. It's more of a berserker thing. So Peter ends up having a dark Peter moment in the comics because of Mr. Negative. And so like, it's an interesting story. It's an interesting, uh, way to look at it. I think what I didn't like is that I kind of just wanted Mr. Negative to be the, the full on bad. I would have really preferred for Mr. Negative to have recruited Otto instead of vice versa. Uh, because you spend, like I said, three hours of the game to have a, a decently anticlimactic sequence. Like, I'm sure if I was playing it, it'd be harder. It'd be a boss battle. But just watching it, I was like, OK, cool. They have the whole thing in Grand Central where they're doing a lot, a lot, a lot of stealth and having MJ in that portion of the game. And then you kind of just fight him on the train. And it feels really anticlimactic because you know it's not the end. But I'm like, for as much weight as we were putting into Lee's contribution to the story it was all about his gang and his office being raided and and his power corrupted like it was a lot of stuff about him with everything else very much in the background at least as far as i watched that i was kind of like i kind of wish that was the only story i kind of wish that was the culmination of it i didn't really need the sinister six upgrade even though that was probably a pull for a lot of people to play the game in the first place i would have preferred that i, I would have preferred because i i want the movie version of just a mr negative movie yeah this is where we run straight for head first into the whole like this is the structure of a game versus the structure of a movie where in a movie it's very much supposed to be you barreling full steam ahead towards the thing the thing you've been building towards the whole time where oftentimes in games length is a huge thing making games quote too short is a thing that a lot of games got shit for. Uh, and primarily, like, I would say 2000, like, ten, like early 2010s, there was this thing of, like, you know, the Angry Joe meme of, like, four hours? It's only four hours? And, you know, imagine saying something about like that about a fucking movie. But it's this thing of, like, it is a common practice in games to think this is the end game and then the goal gets moved and you're like no 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 you're actually doing this and some games do it multiple times but yeah that's like a common thing but i think what was hard about watching the last two hours was that from that point on it didn't feel creative anymore i could see that yeah it like like a big note i had was that like the big problem with having the Rhino in any piece of Spider-Man media that is not the comics is that there is no creative takedown of the Rhino. Rhino's never doing anything that makes Peter go, I can't stop him, because Peter will always be faster than him. It's a given from the jump. I don't think that what they do with Scorpion is all that interesting. Um, I actually think that those, uh, I'm sure they might be fun to play through, but the uh, hallucination sequences, both with Mr. Negative and Scorpion, are way too long um, to where I, when I was watching them, I'm like... Yeah, I, I did kind of feel that when I was playing. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm really not interested in... Because it's not even that they're giving us enough... Because there's a lot of character moment in that. There's a lot of Peter's inner monologue happening there, or Peter's inner doubts. But it's one of those moments where I'm like, I can get that relatively quickly and a lot stronger um, in a movie. So I'm kind of like, all right, this this feels a little bit, you know, elongated. And then, you know, using Shocker and Vulture or not uh, using uh, Electro and Vulture against each other is like, OK, fine. Um, 
And then when you go to fight Mr. Lee again, it's just more of the previous boss battle with him. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, okay, like it's really like relatively uncreative. Like I almost want to suggest something, but then I can't cause it's a spoiler. Yeah. Um, with a couple things with that, first off, yeah, I think the best use of Rhino from a creative standpoint is as a distraction or as a collateral damage machine of right. And we get a little taste of that uh, in the next game, Miles Morales, because the opening set piece is them riding Rhino throughout the city, trying to steer him away from like, you know, civilians and like, you know, trying to slow him down, but failing like that is kind of the best you're going to get from Rhino. If it's just, can I beat Rhino? It's kind of like, well, yeah, no shit. That's even an issue I do have in Miles Morales in that opening is that Rhino just straight up takes down Spider-Man and Miles has to step in. And I'm like, since when? (laughs) Yeah. Literally since fucking when. It'd be one thing if like he only took down Peter because he was trying to protect Miles. But even then it's tenuous. Like, Peter always fucking beats the rhino. He's like, he's a jabroni. He's a jobber. (laughs) Like that is, that is the comic book writer's task. Somebody create a compelling and really like, Oh, Peter's going to have to come up with something he's never done before. Rhino story. If someone can do that, I will, you get a Tony. Um, I don't even care. It's not even theater. I'll give you a Tony. Um, (laughs) Trevor has that authority. He lives in New York. Um, (laughs) I might be able to find the person who has that authority. Um, Just find, not compel. I love this idea that there's like, well, if you live in New York, surely you can get a Tony. It's like, what? (laughs) Um, Oh, you didn't know? Oh, you didn't know that? (laughs) Why do you think everyone moves to New York? Yeah, Uh, (laughs) we all have Tonys. What are you talking about? Everyone gets a little spinning Tony when they move. Like if you've been here for ten years, you get your Tony. Like I have this really great table, but one leg is short, and the Tony works great. Um, <laughs> Goddamn. But yeah, so like, there's a lot of elements that I'm kind of just like, all right, whatever. Like I, it, I found that the MJ, uh, MJ and Peter like reconnaissance missions were really interesting story wise, but they have to be gamified. So I'm kind of like all right, like, you know, there's other ways to tell this instead of them just looking around for stuff. So it was like, cool, I like the information you're giving me, but the the vessel is not that interesting because it's a game. Um, You know, I didn't quite like Miles at any point in the game, not because, you know, anybody had to play for him, but like the way that he looked at Spider-Man and the way the voice actor played him was very much like, I'm Miles, I'm a regular person. And then when I'm around Spider-Man, I'm like, hi, I am, I am, Oh and God. I suddenly love you. Jesus Christ. Um, that is, is that that's one of my most enduring criticisms around the character in this universe. And then also in the Miles Morales game, because that performance gets so old so quickly. Like I just, he, 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 he he's basically black Morty. It, like he's basically fucking Morty Morales, and this is like, 
oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And my voice is always cracking, even though I'm, I'm basically like, what, like 18 at this point? And oh no, and ah, uh, and I don't know what I'm doing, even towards the end of the game, when where is the confidence going to pick up? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, listen, we have a good representation of Miles. You can steal from that. All right, let's deb- we haven't recorded the end of the Spider-Verse before that. <laughs> Which is very awkward, because I feel like we're going to dive well, into... But that. also, <laughs> Miles also only has about, what, 10 years of comic history? Not even. So, like, there's some moldability there. Yeah, um, that's what's that's what makes every incarnation of Miles Morales now very critical. Like, because we are building the public perception of Miles Morales real time. Whereas we weren't alive for the building of Peter per- Peter Parker for most of his shit, like yeah, and also like Miles does fall fall victim to the whole like if we have a black character they have to be cool, um like trope in the way that he's kind of been presented in in uh, Spider Verse. I I could say a thing. There is a very memed thing of like when Miles Morales on PS Five came out, <laughs> like. Oh yeah, he uh what is it? He like swings through the city with the swagger of a young black teenage and I'm just like what everyone was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> and it got memed into oblivion. Um but yeah, like I, I hear you in terms of like there are certain sections, even through watching it, there are certain sections where it's like the gameplay could have maybe been tweaked to add more intrigue like during the scorpion mission it'd be cool if like uh you've played like drunk moments in games before yeah where they kind of like tweak with your controls a little bit that would have been interesting um for the mr negative stuff i'm not saying to have lee find out who spider-man is because a lot of people know who fucking spider-man is in this universe but like yeah they do It'd be interesting if he just let... Especially the cops. The fact that the cops know who Spider-Man is. I'm like, hi, no, no. Which cops? Doesn't... What's her face? The one he talks to? Uh, she doesn't know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Oh, she only knows Spider-Man. No, no, no. But she has his phone number. Well, she yeah, can look that's, that a, up. that's a that's a nebulous, <laughs> I don't know how that works kind of thing. <laughs> like... I mean, I was... It's one of those things where, like... I did say in, in multiple previous episodes, and uh, we're not recording this in order, but I have a point about No Way Home, about Spider-Man and, and like, the criminal justice system, as well as me saying in the Amazing Spider-Man uh, episode, Spider-Man said, fuck cops. Um, <laughs> like, he, he, is, he is right up with them cops in this one. Yeah, a lot of people got on this for being, like, you know, it's a little copaganda-ish, and... Right. It's a, There's a lot of uh, hero cop moments. Uh, yeah, this came out in the pre-2020 world and, like, you know, not to say that that's when, you know, shit like this happened, but it's when, like, the average person was starting to be a lot more critical of cops after certain things had happened. And this was made in just, like, around the time when, like, fucking Brooklyn Nine-Nine was, like, one of the biggest shows on the fucking network television and shit. Uh, It's... It's uh, it's tricky because then you you have I think every now and again superheroes do have to kind of deal with this like Batman with Gordon 
and like Spider-Man with Yuri, which is very funny because Spider-Man's voice actor is named Yuri. So Yuri just has to refer to himself for most of this game. Um, Like there are a lot of these. But I think the thing with this is that like he's on the dispatch. They call him to dispatch him. And that's where I was kind of like, yeah, he is. They make a joke in it. They're like, oh, are you a cop now? And he's like, what do you, do you mean spider cop? And I'm like. Yeah, no, you are a cop in this one. Yeah, it is very, especially with the relationship the the NYPD has with New York, just like how the LAPD yeah. has with LA. It's just kind of like, um, that's why it becomes that a lot of people were wondering then if you're gonna do Miles Morales, like, how does that work? And they conveniently sidestep a lot. They'd be like, oh yeah, there's an app now where you get your crime info and like the everyday citizen can go hey there's some shit going on on an app so that's actually based on a real app yeah it's not it's not about vigilantism it's called citizen and it's just telling you like hey be aware this happened in your neighborhood no i'm just saying that like you know you couldn't necessarily have miles interact with the police the exact same way that peter does because it just right. it gets into a lot of baggage and shit and it's just kind of mm, let's not um, but yeah uh, this game I think what people like about this game is that it feels like Spider-Man it feels like Peter Parker there's no like ulterior there's no like different perspective on Peter. There's no, oh, it's Peter, but this. Oh, or, oh, it's Spider-Man, but this. It's just Spider-Man. It's just Peter Parker. It's just regular fucking New York City. And a lot of the established characters are just already here. They don't go through an origin again, which I feel like... Yeah, who wants to play through the origin? I feel like I get it but also i think something is a little lost with because this spider-man has been spider-man for eight years yeah jesus christ like which is actually like in terms of like if you compare these to the films the longest he's been spider-man yeah like this in 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 any media shy of the comics this spider-man is so much a veteran and he's not in college, and he's not in high school, and he's not working for the Bugle. So it's like, you do kind of miss a lot of the classic Spider-Man shit of, like, having to figure things out, having to balance things. The most you get is that he gets evicted from his apartment. And it's like, yeah, okay, but, like, you know, fine. There's no, like, personal stake in that. It's just like, all right, he got evicted. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think something is slightly missing on that. There's also a ton of backfill for uh, Harry in this one, which I, again, kind of understand. But also, I'm noticing now having done this month, uh, even with us recording this out of order... Just knowing what we're talking about and having rewatched certain things, yeah, Harry has no real consistent good representation. There is not a lot of good Harry Osborne in like visual media, um, in terms of the movies, in terms of the games, and t- like I heard that Spectacular Spider-Man 
does a lot of things great. I didn't hear a ton of like, oh, they really get Harry good as well. Like, Harry is a weird blind spot in a lot of these. I think if you actually read old comics, too, I think you'd think that about him there, too. I think Harry Osborn has always been a little bit of an afterthought for people. Which is so odd. He has such an interesting position in the lore. Like, having been his best friend, but also being the son of a billionaire CEO and scientist, and then also being the son of Green Goblin, and then also eventually becoming a villain himself. It's like... Bro, there's a lot here. Why is there so little to for him to do in these? I mean, I think in movies, it's about Sam Raimi's. Sam Raimi's leans so heavy into that relationship that everyone else is like, I'm not sure I want to touch it unless I have like a vehicle into it. Like the MCU is going to have to do some catching up and some some padding to make the both of them exist. Uh, and so like, yeah, so th- neither of those two after series are going to touch them. And so, I mean, I can't really speak for the game, but yeah, we just really, we haven't spent a lot of time with Harry Osborn in many years as a fandom. Yeah. And this is why I've been, cause I'm probably going to touch on this because again, we are recording this out of order. We, this is coming after us talking for a while about MCU Spider-Man. So I hope I'm not repeating myself too hard, but That's why I'm disappointed that freshman year is not freshman year of college and that it's instead freshman year of high school and they're going backwards because I'm like, well, it would then be an interesting take and a nice way to kind of not to say course correct, but like eventually get to where you need to go by just having Peter and Harry be college roommates. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about that. It's like who... If we do see Peter in college, is there a potential to give him a roommate who matters now that Ned's gone? And, like, there's talk about Harry. There's also talk about the Human Torch. I guess. But, like, there's a lot of ways you could get Johnny and Peter to get, like... Yeah. You could have them just be roommates in, like, a fucking apartment. Like... <laughs> and they were roommates. And they were roommates. Um, <laughs> So much shipping. So much shipping. Um, But... Uh, yeah. Um, I guess that's basically... Oh, the only other thing I was going to say with the Mr. Negative thing is, like, you could just... Not saying that Lee has to know Spider-Man is Peter Parker, but say that he has an effect on Peter where that Peter has to fight his own mind and, like, get out of his own mind. And, like, there is a concept in Justice League with Superman and some people immediately know where I'm going with this because it's one of the most infamous Superman stories in the justice league animated series, uh, where for a large portion of an episode, he is caught in his own mind in his perfect reality where, uh, he is Yeah, the man, the man who has everything. You recently had me watch this one. I, I had you watch this one? Or you sent me something that somebody was referring to it. I, Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. That was completely unintentional. Um, but essentially, uh, Superman is tricked into thinking that he's back on an undestroyed Krypton, and he has a perfect life with a wife that resembles Lois Lane, and a son... And everything, and he has to like will himself out of the dream sequence. Hell, even 
Batman the Animated Series did this um, with uh, a, an episode all about that as well. Where Yeah, oh yeah, we already covered that. Yeah. It would be interesting then if Mr. Negative's, like, his trump card, his, like, last tool in the arsenal is to trap Peter in his own mind where, like... Well, he's using Spider-Man as a puppet. Yeah, or just incapacitating him. Like, if, like, time yeah. is of the essence and then, like, Spider-Man is just kind of, like, in a coma while they are, like, finishing up Devil's Breath or whatever it is, um, where Peter is trapped in an alternate reality where he is no longer Spider-Man and his mom and dad are still alive and he's just dating MJ. Or even May and Ben. Or, yeah, like, any way you want to spin it. And, like, you, as a player, have to kind of, like, slowly get yourself out of it. And the more you push, like, the more, like, NPCs will start to get more aggressive and hostile. And you might even have to, like, fight random, like, ordinary people. And it's just like, ugh. And, like, you, like, play up the horror at, like, not horror, but, like, you know, the tension and, like, the suspense aspect of that because they touch on it very briefly where Lee like mind controls like three random people and then Peter has to very covertly and quickly like blah and get them off him in front of Feast Um, also yeah the one where they uh, he's looking in that party for people that yeah like they do it a little bit Um, well I in the game I have expected him after he beats up a bunch of goons in his vision against Lee for him to literally wake up and have, like, hit a bunch of civilians. Yeah, like, that would be an interesting concept to, like, plant that seed, and then the next time it happens, you know that you can't actually fight people, so now all you can do is dodge and just move as quickly as you can. Like, there are a bunch of ways to make this more interesting. (laughs) And I feel like, like with many games, and this is not a slide against Insomniac, it's a thing of... A lot of the times this happens, even in my precious Dragon Age 2, it's a huge problem where it seems like they think their only recourse is more enemies go. And it's just like, well, right. no, you could do different. Yeah, there things. were so many goon sequences in this. Yeah, like so many things where you're just taking out goons. And like, I get that there's only so much creativity you can do with like your main villains, but you had a lot of villains in this. If you release them earlier, he gets to fight them more. And like, you know, we never see that many goons and guns in movies because you don't need them. You know, you're building to a different kind of climax where it's a one on one. And if somebody does have goons, it's because they're a mobster. And so like. Or be or even then you could say that like Shocker and Tinkerer are goons of Vulture in Homecoming. So like, again, they have value there. Uh, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of just like, okay, cool. I understand why the person who's editing this playthrough included it, because there's a lot of like Spider-Man quips or like he's talking on the phone to somebody about that will explain what your next part of the mission is. But like, I was just like, all right, I don't want to see him beat up more goons. Yeah, it's a thing of it'd be one thing if you got to play as Spider-Man who is like progressing through the game one by one, co- corralling rhino and scorpion and electro and all these people and you you yourself are putting them in the raft and you're starting to feel good you're starting to feel like okay we're starting to reach a point where things are 
calming down in the city and things are the and then the raft explodes and it's just like now all of your work has been undone throughout the game and you have to now double time it all the stuff that you did earlier now you have half the time and even more shit working against you like that would be different and i think people would then just find an excuse to uh argue that like well you're facing multiple people twice your feet facing them multiple times that might get old after a while and it's just like well i mean also it's a fucking video game like there's only so much stuff you can do if you want to pad out the time of a of a plot or right if you want to have a more personal experience with your uh with the audience in that they have a personal stake in the raft exploding and then the sinister six escaping yeah, your only real recourse is to have a hand in putting them there in the first place. That's just a classic video game tactic of like, how do I make you care about this? Well, yeah, I'll have you do it. <laughs> You're the one that does this. And when it gets undone, you feel like, what the fuck? I spent all this time doing this. Like, you know, it's... Eh. But, I, I mean, I don't want it to seem like I am don't like... Spider-Man PS4 because I, I I do um part of that is the video game movie uh issue though of like do I like it because it's really really good or do I like it because juxtaposed with all of the shit it is good uh maybe I don't know I mean what do you, what do you, what do you think this this edition gets better than the movies can i know you love when you get the thing you want spread out over time (laughs) that's a you thing well i mean i just i just ask for good pacing sometimes good pacing means you get things quicker than you would have uh, any other time it is kind of context specific but i think in this one the best aspects of the game the thing that makes this you know, really good Spider-Man story is like I mentioned earlier, this is just straight up Spider-Man. And I think people take for granted how many good depictions and various forms of media we have of vanilla Spider-Man. Like they feel like we have to do all these different takes because, oh yeah, somebody's already done Spider-Man vanilla before. But I'm like, have they done it well though? (laughs) Like, so I think there is something to be said of of just straight up doing regular Peter, regular Aunt May, regular, like, everything, and then just doing it well. On top of that, Yuri Lowenthal is a good Peter Parker voice. Like, it's just, they actually just nail Peter in writing, in performance, in execution, in everything. Like, he feels... It gets a little screamy at the end, but... Yeah. I mean, it gets screamy because, like, you know, it's personal and, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that, again, the only caveat to that for me is that it is a very older Peter that, well, okay, I say very, he's like 23 because he likely started being Spider-Man at 15, but I mean, to be fair, that is one of the aspects of like, I just said, people take for granted that they assume we've already had a the vanilla Spider-Man experience. We don't need to retread it. We have had good high school Peter Parker, like a lot. So 
not doing high school Peter Parker again and then not doing college Peter Parker again because we technically got that all through Sam Raimi is understandable, to be fair. Like we already mentioned, this is the Spider-Man with the most experience that we've had in this mainstream of a media device. So, fine. Um, It's just that, like... I think part of it is, again, to kind of piggyback on what I surely have said in last week slash the week before's episodes. When you're constantly getting the MCU with Spider-Man in today's Spider-Man, it is nice to then also have, like, yeah, sure, maybe the MCU is, like, happening in the very, very back background. But this is a Peter Parker story and experience that is focused on Peter and doesn't have to share spotlight with he does pass Avengers Tower though I mean yeah and in the DLC I believe there is a lot of lip service paid to Wakanda like there's like Mm. it starts to get you know it starts to branch into other things but it is a feeling of like if I wanted to play Spider-Man if I wanted the experience of playing a video game Spider-Man, not only is this kind of my only option, it is just also a perfectly solid option. Whereas if I wanted to watch a Spider-Man movie, I also have to know about the MCU. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, you know, I think there is merit to that. Yeah, I I give you that. I don't I don't I don't think that that's like you know, any sort, I don't even think that's a, that's a dig on the MCU. I think that that's two very different experiences and like, it's worthwhile. And that's, that's something that a lot of other people get through the comics of like, I just want Peter Parker and I'm gonna get Peter Parker through these comics. Yeah. So, uh, final thoughts before, uh, before we move on. Uh, I would have preferred, uh, Otto's motivation be just about himself and his, his, uh, you know, saving himself than it was to be a big, like, oh, he was in charge the whole time. I think that took away something. Well, it's that, like, everything comes back to Norman because we've kind of been on that train for a fucking while now of, like, everything seems to come back to Oscorp. It's always about fucking Oscorp. And I think to an extent, fine, but making it, kind of overshadow everything else and become the main thing. I agree with you. It's yeah, kind of like that's my thing. Uh it would have been Cuz again, Lee had a better story. Yeah, it's I think the main thing the main thing is a thing you can't do until you're deep into the final fight, which is that like it becomes a personal story. Right. Yeah, like the final fight gets to be about him and Peter because of their relationship and you can't really do that with Lee. I mean, you can't just you just can't do that earlier with Doc Ock. Like it's yeah. a thing of like you have to hold that card firmly to your chest until the very end whereas if you could dive into that relationship, like if Peter knew Otto was Doc Ock and Doc Ock knew Spider-Man was Peter Parker like mid game. And then you had these occasional interactions between them where they like, Peter is trying desperately to bring him back. And Octavius is like, Peter, do not make me fucking kill you because I will like, that would have been way more interesting. And 
it could have added more layers to Doc Ock, who I think is one of the better characters to add complexity to in the in the entire lore of Spider-Man. Yeah. So I yeah. think, yeah, just like watering him down a little bit into I hate Norman Osborn and that now becomes my entire motivation is kind of, yeah, I do agree. That's a little bit of a, it's a bit of a letdown. But that's it. Yeah. Also, Jesus Christ, that ending was sad. Uh, t- <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so, uh, it does have me. It It's Spider-Man, I mean. Although, yeah, like the very end uh, does have me really interested for Spider-Man 2, the game. Um, because have you seen the trailer for Spider-Man 2, the game? No. Okay. They just like they kind they establish one thing that makes us go like, ooh, interesting. And then they just solidify the other thing of like, okay, yeah, so we're definitely gonna get okay. Mm-hmm. Alright. Cool. Please don't fuck it up. <laughs> Cause a lot of people have tried to do both of these things and now combining them. Please don't fuck it up. <laughs> so well, now I got I got to do it. Alrighty. But that's enough about Spider-Man. Spider-Man month is done. It's dead. It's as dead as Uncle Ben. So now... Jesus Christ. We squished it. <laughs> so now that only leaves us with... Uh, me. I, get, I forget how I used to transition to this, but I, go, me. It is now time for Reject... Thank you, me. Welcome, welcome to our monthly TV show review, Reject or Renew. If you're new here, this is how this works. The segment will begin with an episode guide. Each of us will take turns giving a brief synopsis of an episode, followed by our brief thoughts, repeating this process until all episodes have been covered. Afterwards, we will discuss the highest and lowest rated episodes, most and least valuable characters, and give our final thoughts before rendering our judgment of reject or renew. Now, a show needs at least one renew to remain eligible. Two back-to-back rejects from the same host will disqualify that show from our ranks and can only be resurrected via fan vote. However, if both hosts elect to reject... The show in question will be eliminated from our lineup immediately and permanently. Following judgment, we will commence the Reject or Renew Draft Lottery to determine what show will appear on next month's Reject or Renew. Back to you, me. Thank you, me, you rat bastard. All right, so what we're actually here to talk about, She-Ra and the Princess of Power. Good Lord, 13 episodes. Yes, yeah, within the Princesses of Power. Um, I don't think there's any mo- reason to do any history with this because uh, nope. it's a show that came out when we were adults um, that got a lot of really good responses uh, on the internet, and uh, some of us will agree with those, and some of us will not. Um, what, like, is why are you this? Why is, <laughs> what is Reject to Renew? What is Reject to Renew if not Trevor being a reasonable person and TJ <laughs> coming up with something to, to add more hate to the world? Um, Whatever. So you are. Whatever. You are. I would love to a love member of the things. Horde. Things are not worthy of my fucking love. Yeah, see, I think this, like, 
I really, I do, I want to sit you down and watch, I want you to get some really good therapy. And then I want to sit you down and watch everything you've rejected and be like, how do you feel now, bud? No. Because love worthiness is a a thing. Um, (laughs) I I, I would feel the exact same way about certain things. If anything, I would be more hostile and more harsh about shit that I was dancing on eggshells about earlier. <laughs> because I would love myself enough to be open and honest and transparent. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, uh, I have odds. Here comes, here have... comes the battle. <laughs> All right. We have episode one, the sword. Oh, fuck. The whole reason I pulled up Netflix. Sneaking out after a training mission, Horde soldier Adora finds an uncanny sword in the Whispering Woods. Princess Glimmer wants it for the rebellion. Uh, part of me is like, because we see the Fright Zone. It's the first thing we see is Catra and Adora in the Fright Zone. Um, and there's a part of me that's like, kind of like, you know, dogging on the show a little bit. Because, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a card. It's, you know. I don't want to say it's a cartoon because I know how we both feel about the legitimacy of cartoons as an art form, but it is a card. It is, you know, kind of a cartoon networky cartoon in that part of me is like, Adora, do you not know that you live in the evil place? Cause I think everything around you kind of looks pretty evil and pretty oppressive. How do you not know that that's where you live? I think there's literally a line to that effect of like, your your home is literally it, it's something along the lines yeah, yeah. of like it's literally called the fright zone or like your boss's name is Shadow Weaver. <laughs> you you're the bad guy. You know you're the bad guy, which I'll get to in the next episode. Um, Katra is uh, maybe Adora just thinks that Shadow is a perfectly reasonable name, like Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is my boss, Tim Weaver. Um, which sounds like a real name. Um, this is my wife, Shadow. <laughs> I actually did know a girl named Shadow, um, and it was spelled as Shadow. Uh, I that is nice. a, that is a true thing. Um, she she was like what you think she'd be like. Um, na- na- no na- opinion. Sorry, sorry. Let me let me rephrase that. She was named at birth, so like there's a girl, there's the girl who calls herself Shadow who named herself that, and then there's the one that was named it at birth. They're distinct in some ways, but similar in many others. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Katra is just the modern Shigo queer queer bait. Um, Katra is is a you know a little bit Shigo. Um, uh, I, I don't say, know about sh- sh- queer bait though. I think yeah, she's, true. She's, she's just queer though. She's just yeah, she's just queer. Um, yeah. She's like a she's like a gay Republican. Um, <laughs> she's not fighting the good fight. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yay for guy having just guy friends. Um, that's referring to Bo for now. Um, and then uh, so the, the thing about the language with this show is that it is a thinly veiled metaphor for sheltered kid leaves their sheltered world that has animosity towards the LGBTQ community and then starts saying things that are half-heartedly what everyone's told them their whole lives. And then they meet people and they go, oh, 
that's not right. Because literally, if you replace the word princess in the way that Adora talks about uh, princesses with gay person, and then that's exactly what that scene is. It's Adora going around being like, well, princesses are the enemy and they, they just make they make the world worse. And they're like the epitome of sin. She never says that last one, but she might as well have. And if you just replace it with the word gay person, that's the show. Um, and so I'm like, oh, it's fine. I appreciate it. I don't need it to be a more complex metaphor. I really appreciate that there are kids who watch this who can then make that connection very early into their teenhood. Uh, and that's all my notes. Um, I took notes on uh, both one and two, and also I think they're broad enough to be like combined, so let's just skip to two. Okay, the sword part two. On the run from a monster, Adora, Glimmer, and Bo stumble into an ancient first one's ruin, while the Shadow Weaver orders Catra to bring Adora back. So you want to know my full thoughts about the show? It's basically comes out in the first fucking episode. Here we go. Way too fast. Everything is too fast. Everything is too fucking fast. It's too fast. How so? Like, can you say more? The I'm going to I'm going to become a broken record so quickly. But essentially, the I feel like this is a universal experience, but I don't know if I've ever actually talked about another actor talk to another actor about this that I wasn't already in the same theater department for. Uh, have you heard the term picking up your cues? Yeah. Okay. So typically for those that aren't in the theater experience and don't know what I'm talking about, picking up your cues is something that directors will often, t- or at least in my experience, it's a thing directors said a lot to actors on stage in that it's not, the same as talking faster. You're not supposed to say your lines quicker, but the space in between your lines and the other person's lines, that gap needs to be quicker. That's what they mean by picking up your cues. This is a show where like, it's like that sentiment was taken so much to heart that there is barely any like space for actual emotion or like, for things to land in the same way things are said. And then immediately something else is said. And then immediately something else is said. And then we move on. Whereas you actually look at the things that they're saying and you're like, I feel like in any other better version of this show, like there would be more, more beats for like the music to show up or to look out at the expanse and show off the landscape or for characters to like have these meaningful glances at each other or like something. But when you're just kind of having line, 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 okay, next scene, if it starts to feel a bit robotic and it takes me out hard, it's like, okay, I get that you have a lot of shit to get to in this, in this episode. But, like, if this is going to work, I need shit to actually land when people say it. Or I need for certain emotional beats to feel like emotional beats and not just going through the motions. Sometimes it genuinely felt like in certain moments, it's like, what am I watching? A fucking storyboard of just like, yes, this shot here and then that shot here and then this happens. And I'm like, yeah, but we got to sit in it a little bit. Good Lord. Um, I mean, I, that's I, basically my thing throughout. I can give season, you that. Season. I can give you that. It take you, it took you out. Like I can't, you know, that's something about the way that you're watching this. Um, cause it didn't really, I think, I think the pacing grabbed me a little bit harder and maybe I was a little bit like 
uh, how do I say this? I was on board with what they were giving me. So I didn't feel the need to like sit in anything. Um, like I was enjoying myself from the jump. So I like, I was kind of like, okay, cool. Like, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking this ride. So like, while I see the validity of that as the criticism of like, cause I know the comparison that you can make. I know the comparison being the, in that I made over text to you was avatar, the last airbender, um, as a cartoon. And as you're saying moments of like characters being able to sit with something or sit in silence or look at each other or, or like have those moments, that is definitely what that show does better. Um, and so like, I'll give you that, but I, I, I don't, like I, I've been enjoying it from the jump at this pacing, so like, I can't really. Yeah, for me, this is kind of like the. It's kind of like comparing the first episode of Avatar to like the first fifteen minutes of the last Airbender movie, in the sense that like technically the same shit happens, but one of them feels better paced, and that you can feel everything a little bit more. And you're on board with everything because of that. And then the other one feels like they're checking off things off a checklist almost. Of like, okay, yeah, they got to find him in the iceberg. They got to discover Appa. They come back to town. Well, we don't really need to show them coming back to town on Appa. So we can just skip that part. But the show has that part in specifically to assist with like, letting us know the characters, letting us get a feel for their dynamics, hinting at certain things already, but then also feeling the emotional, like, give and take of, like, certain things. And that's the difference for me, is that, like, some things are just kind of... It's it's a pure execution thing. Because as we're going to discuss later on, like, the content of what's in the show is not really the problem for me. It is yeah. absolutely purely execution. I think um, I have a reason. I think I have a better reason to support myself as to why I didn't feel the same way, but we can talk about that later. Um, Speaking of execution, uh, I do not enjoy the performance of Bo's VA. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, And also the writing of Bo at points is... Just a little. It's a little obnoxious sometimes. It's a little too much. I mean, there are plenty um, of moments where you can call this show obnoxious. Like if if it if it yeah. hits you that way, I get that. Um, so even but, even in episode one, I'm already writing. Catra is actually pretty good, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Who would have thought that TJ would like Catra, the edgy character with a lot of emotional baggage. Um, it's not really just because Catra's edgy. You, you sure it's about really that? It's really not ish. It's not um, all of it. Like, well, so anyway, on the, on that note, the only other two notes I had for the sword part two were I found the horse girl shit funny. Um, and I like that Catra knows that the horde is bullshit. Like that was a good choice. You could have easily had her be like, no, this is all we've ever known. And, and, and blah, blah, blah. But when Adora is like, yeah, no, they're the bad guys. And like, this is this is wrong or this is something, you know, this is not what I want. Um, and Catra goes, well, yeah, duh. Like, of course they suck. They've sucked the whole time. They've sucked for me. I don't know if they've sucked for you, but they've sucked for me. But I'm going to get mine because that's how I see the world. And this is the schism between us as two friends that's going to motivate 
a good chunk of the rest of the show, especially when we get to their bottle episode. And so I like that Catra knows that the horde is bullshit and wants to just take it for herself. Yeah, it's things like this, which is why I'm already kind of like, yeah, no, I fucks with Catra. Like, shit, like, it's a... Because it's a thing of, like, we always talk about, like, subversions and shit or, like, you know, doing, like, kind of swerving a bit and doing more unexpected things or just not doing the same thing over and over and over again. Catra is good examples of that, of just, like, every now and again, they'll kind of just, like, you see Catra going down one path and they'll kind of just, like, they'll kind of just, like, swerve it a little bit. Or, like, they'll kind of, like, make it so, okay, we've seen this beat a bunch of times. Let's not do that beat the exact same way. Like, that's kind of why I like Catra a lot. Because Catra seems like more of an original character than some of these other ones. Some of these other ones feel a bit archetypical. Um, whereas Catra, I genuinely was just like, what? And it, yeah, I do bond with Catra a lot. I do like empathize with Catra a lot because it's easy to empathize with a character like Catra. But it is also just a thing of like, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> like shit. I get, I at least get that. I understand you. Um, Episode three, Raz. Glimmer concocts a plan to introduce Adora to Bright Moon, but it all goes wrong. Thoughts. Adora flees into the woods where she meets an old woman named Raz. Uh, my note was that this one was mostly just plot and that when we see Hordak for the first time, he looks like Morbius. Interesting. But yeah, I didn't have a lot to think of. The, the things that Raz is putting down, we are not going to pick up for uh, several episodes. Uh, the first note. Oh, I hate that theme song. Holy shit. We're gonna win in the end. I, oh my God. I heard that theme song and I had a visceral react. I was like, oh, 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 what the fuck? (laughs) You don't have to like it. Get that shit away from me right now. Uh, (laughs) yeah, it is. It is. It is girl boss pop, which is annoying, but like. Whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fault I'm the fine show with girl boss. I'm not pop. gonna fault the show for that. I'm fine with girl boss pop. I just don't think it was done well. I. I. Oof. Something about it is just super phoned in, or I don't know what it is. It's just. Oh God. Um. I also wrote. Um. Oh yeah. This was the first time because I had to decipher what I said. Now I get it. This is, I think, actually the first time I ever processed that I was being technically given spoilers by a theme song. Like, I think before, it was always, I never really paid that much attention until, like, after the fact. The most recent uh, example of this is the Sergeant Frog theme song, where they show all of the people. They just show all the people before they're introduced. Yeah. But by the time I was even really paying attention to the theme song, pretty much all the people were already introduced. So it wasn't really a problem for me. And then anytime it happened other than that, like with the One Piece theme, etc., I had grown up with it. And so I was like a child when I was watching this fucking theme song for the first time and it wasn't the same. This is the first time, I think, that I've seen a theme intro like montage and I'm genuinely like, ah, 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 what the fuck? <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to see this on top yeah. of not liking the theme song. So the whole 
as soon as the theme started to come in, I was attacked on almost all of my senses by like, uh, get it away. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, I uh, think I watched it once at the beginning and I never touched it again. So I was sure to do the same thing. Uh, I wrote, can we stop holding the sword by its blade, please? Like, I don't know whose idea this was so that, like, so many people, when they hold the sword, it makes this big kathunk sound effect, and they're almost always holding it by its goddamn blade. And I'm like, do you want me to take this seriously as a sword or not? Because... If it's if it might as well be a hammer, make it a fucking hammer then. But swords are sharp. Why do you keep doing this? Um, That's a nitpick. I also wrote I immediately like Adora better on her own. That's not a great sign, admittedly. <laughs> By that uh, you mean apparently it sounds like you just don't like Glimmer and Bow. It's just that like I think the story flowed a little bit better. Okay, yeah, I'm immediately understanding the subtext of why I wrote this. The subconscious reason is because things immediately got slower because there was only one person with one thought process. And when there's other people, there's a lot of shit happening at once. Um, I mean, that's so fair. That I, I said that about I said that about the inner monologues of Sergeant Frog. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Flowers for She-Ra. Adora and her friends undertake a relief mission to besiege the, uh, to the besieged kingdom of Plumeria. The Shadow Weaver still wants Catra to bring Adora back. So I actually wrote this down because it's an example of what I was talking about. Uh, Adora says this to, um, I believe, either Glimmer or Glimmer's mom, but Glimmer's mom is the one that answers. She says, who's that? My husband, King Micah. And then they move on. Like, the fact... Mm, the fact that there's, like, zero emotion and pure... It's pure exposition of, like, oh, who is this person that the audience needs to know? Oh, that's King Micah. Okay. That's all we need. No, when but I got, like, I got it from her performance and the choice to be solemn in that moment. Here's the thing. So I, I said I was going to talk about it later. To me, I think that the lines themselves are just calculated enough and it's animated in a way that I understand. Like, I, I'm not missing anything emotionally from this show. I'm picking up what they're putting down without needing the space for it. But it's that doesn't really matter, though, because it then... Beca- it if, doesn't if matter like how I that- felt about it? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like... It's a thing of... It's not necessarily about me needing things kind of, like, spelled out in that way. Because, yeah, I immediately got that as well. My thing is that, like, I'm looking at this as, like, a story. And you know how some people are like, oh, yeah, they're a really good storyteller. Usually, it's because they do more than just say what happened. They kind of embellish certain points, or they linger on certain points, or they pause for laughter, or they give a look. Like, it's always the, like, the intangibles, the little things. And then there's people that just go, oh, what happened? Oh, this happened. And that, then, then that's it. That's kind of why I'm looking at this in terms of, like, it isn't just supposed to convey information. It's supposed to, like, be entertaining and not just funny ways or not just, like, fun ways, but in ways of, like, you know, demonstrating mood shifts 
and grief and, you know, giving different shades to different characters instead of just showing... Because, like, Glimmer's mom doesn't really get to do much other than her role of being, like, party pooper, strict mom, grieving with a thing that we couldn't possibly understand until much later in the series type thing. And it kind of pigeonholes her in that because we never really get more shades to her. And that's part of it. Like, some characters just genuinely need to be fleshed out in ways that are not just information. Um, And again, like, there's any number of examples I could pull up. But, like, it's just that's what I was kind of... That's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm like, we don't linger on this. We don't feel the mood shift here. We don't... It's like... I can still follow what's happening. So it's not to say that I'm, like, lost or anything like that. It's more so that, like, I don't know. I'm just not getting a lot of expression, I guess, from the creators. And for me, that's just the thing of, like, okay, if you're not going to do that, then I don't really have a lot of reason to stay or, like, be invested Because the expression is kind of, when it comes to it, what I'm here for. Because there aren't that many original stories. Like, this story is similar to that story, similar to this story, similar to that story. I can get this story somewhere else. I'm really just here for your flavor. I'm here for your individual take on it. And if you're not going to give me that, well, then it's just like, yeah, I'm not really invested then. So I thought the delivery of I think I killed the bed was funny. Um, I don't I don't really have any other like follow ups to your stuff. I I I get where you're coming from. Um, So I'll just go to my other notes. Uh, I do like when Perfuma like when Adora is trying to give them the motivating speech and Perfuma just gives a blank stare and she goes, I can make plants. I was there was a part of me that was like, yeah, girl, that's overpowered. So like get it together. Um, Some of my other notes. Uh. Nothing was really earned about them heading out on their first mission, I felt like. I, I agree with that. It's, mm, okay. Uh, break out the party, Kale, is too good of a line to be thrown away. How dare you? <laughs> uh, and then I don't have time to read this beforehand, so I just have to say it as I'm reading it. Wait, Katra said Adora defected. Wouldn't footage of Adora fighting against the Horde prove that and why does Katra say she can turn her now when before she was perfectly willing to say Adora had defected I get trying to protect her but I feel like this is the wrong order to do that and this scene is just bafflingly awful it I get I I'm assuming that this is like a Katra and Shadow Weaver scene of like yeah we still don't we still don't quite know even through this season what the fuck Shadow Weaver's deal is with like loving Adora. But I th- I think it's something to do with like something Shadow Weaver is like towards Catra that like she fit. Fa- I think it's that she's saying she failed to get her back. And I'm like, Catra said she defected. What the fuck are you? She is an anime or like, or I think Shadow Weaver is saying like you ruined any chance of us getting her back. And I'm like, well, she defected. So I mean, that's a different thing now than uh, her being kidnapped by the princess. She's not kidnapped. 
right? She she defected. That's a different thing that was actually said out loud. <laughs> mm. um, episode five, the Seagate. The squad heads for the water realm of Selenius, ruled by Princess Mermista. But first, they need a ship. Catra sets sail with Force Catra and Scorpia. Uh, the, when they're looking for a ship, and literally it's all straight up Maz Eisley Cantina vibes, uh, where Seahawk literally just says the equivalent of doing the Kessel Run. Um, I found that fun. Uh, I love Scorpia and the actor who plays her. The actor who plays her is in Superstore, um, and she's great there. And she's just just one of the best parts of the show. I think that she becomes a good guy later, which I really want. But even then, um, I love Scorpia. Uh, and I think like, oh, no, it's it's something later. Yeah, she has she has several lines later that I directly quote in my notes. Um, in terms of Seahawk, he's obnoxious, but I find the dynamic kind of funny. Um, the moment where they arrive and there's no one there and then a single soldier up in the tower goes, halt! And then you hear him running and you hear him running. You go, Halt! You hear him running, you hear him running, and finally he gets down to them. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that was funny. I don't care. This episode was funny. Um, and then finally at the end where she's like, Seahawk, I need you to sh- set your ship on fire. And he gets all twinkly-eyed and goes, yes! I'm like, cool. No, this is funny. I, I find this funny. Uh, I forget exactly where this is. It might be while they're... It might be while they're trying to do stuff with um, Seahawk... It might be a thing in the Fright Zone. I don't know. But all I ever was, that's a terrible deal. Genuinely funny, finally. Um, I, th- I think it's like when they're trying to like haggle with Seahawk and Adora oh, just yeah. deadpans. Like, that's a terrible deal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have in all caps, how does Catra know about Hordak telling Shadow Weaver to stop looking for Adora? How this lit? You can't. You can't fucking do this to me. I just saw the last episode. Into this one, I know for a fact that she was not there. And how? How do you do this? I. Uh, what has Bright Moon ever done for us? This this meeting right now to help you and other kingdoms. Like this is Bright Moon helping you. I, was that not clear? I mean, a uh, lot of characterization of Remista <laughs> comes from the reputation of the voice actor because she's the exact same character in uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She is the... There's a term... I think, was there a term? Isn't there a term for it in manga, in uh, anime of the girl who's just like, I don't care about anything. This is lame. She's the All April... All I've Lud- heard was oh, no, you don't know. Girl. You don't know... Uh, you don't know Parks and Rec either. She's April Ludgate. Um, not, not the actor, it's not Aubrey Plaza, but it's, uh, that's the character of like the, mm, uh, whatever I secretly care about. I was about I to say, I'm like, I know Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not Aubrey Plaza. I'm yeah, saying yeah, the yeah. character type, the, the character. Yeah, type. yeah. Um, I mean, I know in general, in anime, in general, not specific to women, uh, it's like the Sundere character, I think is what it's called. Uh, but I think specific to like characters like May from Avatar, it's just the goth girl. Like, right. Um, I do actually like the concept of the show with a previously failed allegiance now having to be redeemed through the offspring of the old guard. Yeah. While Katra has her own arc elsewhere. I just don't like the execution because I've already said that it feels rushed, but also now it also starting to feel a little bit immature as well. 
Um, and again, this is me being spoiled. This is me readily admitting they're like, yeah, this is because I've seen Avatar. This is because I know what it's like when a show treats child characters seriously. And this show, I don't think does. This show absolutely is like playing into kid tropes and trying to appeal to kids. And so the kid, the characters feel more immature. They feel more impulsive. They feel, you know, like... Because I think it would be one thing if all of the princesses actually had legitimate reasons to doubt the allegiance and were not being selfish, were not being, you know, anything other than just like, look, I am the ruler of a kingdom and I cannot risk my kingdom. And that's really just it. Although, like, some things get colored. Some things just get, like, this tone of, like, this becomes way more of a thing in the princess prom with the ice princess. It's like, yeah, it's just a thing of like, it has this undercurrent of like, we're kids. And so we're going to act like kids. And I'm like, yeah, but I know what it's like when kids are treated with like a level of respect, like good Lord. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think, I think in a way where like, I think there's a world in which somebody could have approached this show where it's like, yeah, we're going to spend half a season in Selenia. Uh, and like really get into why they don't like it and yada, yada, yada. Um, or like, you know, talking about what we talked about earlier in the episode, if it was a video game, you'd probably spend a chunk of the game in each nation, like building up this alliance. But like, I don't think that's what the goals of the show are. Like, I think one of the goals of the show and doing the episodes in this order was, I think that they truly, one of their goals was just, we want to get the alliance together as soon as possible because we like playing with, we like playing with our toys. And I'm like, Okay, if that's what you're trying to do, I'll I'll go with it. Um, because I also like when you play with your toys. Um, so yeah, yeah. And for the record, I'm not saying that like they needed to spend more time in Selenius, uh, more than like a single episode. I'm still fine with that. Well, then maybe it's a ca- case of like you know, what if these were hour long episodes, kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah, like uh, with commercials, you know. So like yeah, forty, yeah, forty, 40 something, yeah. Because right now, they're really like 20-minute episodes. Yeah. Oh, I'm evens. Um, episodes, <laughs> <laughs> always, once an episode. Uh, episode six, system failure. A recruitment trip to Drill goes awry. Oh, I just got Drill. I just understood that now. Um, like a Drill, like zoot, zoot, Drill into the wall. Um, <laughs> a recruitment zoot, trip to zoot, Drill. Zoot. <laughs> yeah, you know when you pick up a Drill and you have to <laughs> click the thing and make it go twice? Before you start your work, that's what everyone does with drills. Every time you plug in a drill, you plug in the battery and you go, and then you move on. Um, Everyone does it. Damn it. Uh, A recruitment trip to drill goes awry. Thanks to a virus that corrupts princess uh, and trapped as robots. When a door transforms, it infects She-Ra too. Classic example of good concepts, bad execution. Disagree. I mean, okay. (laughs) This is just going to be the theme of the entire segment. Yeah. That's my only note. It's fun. It's fine. Um, I love the little that when they get there, there's a little gnome that pops out of a manhole and like gives exposition. And I'm like, cool. Most valuable character. That guy right there. I love him. He's my favorite. Um, Yeah. Again, I love the robot horde concept. Um, 
uh, and Trapta, I was trying to pick up like, where do I know that voice actor? And I was like, oh, I know that voice actor from this a thing she's going to say later in the season that is a TikTok sound that is a very popular TikTok sound and I'll get to it when we get to it. Um but I do I like Entrapta. I think she's I think she's one of the most interesting characters that we have in the show because of where she stands on the conflict and her own personal goals. Um and we do see that right from the jump with her. Um and I also find it funny that there's a picture when they're wandering around the castle of Entrapta with two parents, but they're robot parents, implying that Entrapta made herself robot parents. I find that very funny. Well, this is not going to end well for me. Really? Um, wow. Episode seven, In the Shadows of Mysticor. Glimmer takes Adora and Bo to the secret sorceress realm of Mysticor for a vacation, but Adora's nightmares of Shadow Weaver persist. I liked that we got a little bit of Shadow Weaver backstory, like maybe she was uh, somebody who was from here or something like that and had a different name. Uh, but then it really just kind of turned into the ah, ha, ha fear manifestation episode. Um, and I don't like her aunt at all. Um, so like this one is a low point for me. Wow. Somebody better pick up that fucking phone because I called it. Yeah, this was not a, yeah, this is pretty obvious. The second they lingered on that satchel, I'm like, Oh, so that's Saturday. We were okay. <laughs> But I was nevertheless, nevertheless, I was so proud of myself. I was like, yeah, I've consumed content. I know patterns and media. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, again, nothing about the show is hard. Nothing about the no, show is difficult. No. This is not Westworld. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> don't worry. You, that's, it's enough to just say it to know what it means. Oh, this boy. is not this is not J.J. Abrams on steroids. Um uh, episode eight, Princess Prom. It's time for the Princess Prom. That's a funny description. Um, <laughs> hosted by Princess Frosta. Odora wants to recruit her, but friend troubles and unexpected guests get in the way. So it's actually funny because I didn't technically say my note for episode seven, but it also applies here. Um, because the note I have for episode seven, I, I'm not going to say the actual note. Uh, instead, I'm going to briefly do my favorite th- thing that pisses Trevor off to no end, and I'm going to briefly mention the existence of wrestling. Um, because sometimes, we all know wrestling is predetermined. So, people are playing characters. They're playing characters that are either good or bad, faces or heels. And sometimes, you will have a wrestler that is playing a heel, but playing a heel so well that it's hard to get boos, and it's, like, hard to boo them. And so, part of you is kind of just letting them be a heel in their element, like a Disney villain. And it's just like, you're really interested and entertained. And then part of you is just like, can you just turn face please? So I can cheer you. (laughs) That was, that's basically me towards Catra is just like, when can I, when am I socially allowed to actually start cheering for you? Um, and that was basically my note for episode seven, episode eight, uh, I have a similar episode. The second Catra and Scorpio arrived, the episode immediately shot up 10 million times better. And then right after that, I wrote easily best episode so far. Well, so I will agree with you in that when I, I it, it because one of some of the most used images and the most used cosplays around this show are like Catra's outfit from this episode. Got the fucking I thumbnail knew for this episode. 
I'm here for it. Like, I knew that this was going to be an important episode. But in the original introduction of the episode, when they say there's a prom, I my note was this has the capacity to be the worst episode. And so and they did a good job of not. Because any other show, any other show, if they had done a prom episode, I would have been like, no, thank you. Skipping. But I knew that this was going to be important. So I gave it a chance. You know, a thing people should do there, TJ. Um, Fuck. And uh, (laughs) I'm being mean now. Yes. Um, (laughs) uh, And... uh, so I, uh, but I knew I was like, this, this can't be a bad episode. The amount of people who have raved about this episode, I've also seen like pictures of Scorpia in her dress and everything. So I was like, the amount of people who care about this episode, this can't be a bad episode. Um, but I knew that it had the, the premise alone had the capacity to leave the least valuable. Um, like that, you I, know, it has one big, of the, I've been hurt before energy. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, and so anyway, uh, there, when they're, when Bo and Glimmer are freaking out about the prom and Adora literally just says under breath, like, okay, you've gone crazy. I'll come back later. I was like, that's funny. Um, again, oh yeah, this is another instance of, uh, I heart Scorpia, um, because when she's like convincing, when Catra's convincing her, uh, to go to the prom and do that. And Scorpia responds with, you're telling me my whole life with your words. Um, and I was like, that's a great, a great line, great delivery. Um, I find it cute that Adora is approaching the whole thing that she finds completely foreign as a tactician. Um, I think that's a really good angle to soften up all the other shit. I think if Adora just went along with it, like Bo and, and Glimmer, that it would have undercut the episode. But the fact that Adora is approaching this as like, this is a diplomatic mission and blah, 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 blah. And everybody else is like, dude, just have fun. That, that I think it, it, it pins the episode in the right way. And I just really love the personalities all coming together. It's the first time we see, you know, all the main players in the room together. Um, and it's just really fucking gay. And that's great. Yeah. Um, there were, there were multiple moments, of course, all with Adora and Catra, where I was just internally, like, making guttural sounds. (laughs) Just like, ah! (laughs) It's like that internal feeling of that meme from, uh, the office of just like, oh my god, it's happening! (laughs) (laughs) Just... Ah, uh, this is so much the best part of the show. God damn it. It makes me so mad. Uh, episode nine, <laughs> no princess. Not Lo- every episode can reach that level. I know, it just makes me mad. Episode nine, <laughs> no princess left behind. Why can't I be <laughs> orgasming all the time? Um, I'm not going to say anything. Said. <laughs> <laughs> with her friends and the sword uh, held prisoner okay you can say her sword like god what? <laughs> with her friends and her sword held prisoner in the fright zone Adora turns to the princess alliance for help on a dangerous rescue mission uh, with Mermista do you know what that stuff is made of I'll be, a, I'll be this knife um, was fun for me um, I love that that entrapped is like this is Emily I reprogrammed her I was like that's funny um, when Glimmer does like overcome and bust out of the thing and kick ass, I was like, fuck yeah, Glimmer. Thank you. Um, 
And like when Catra is like in the hallway with them coming out of the darkness, like scratching the sword against the wall, I was like fucking menacing. Love it. Yeah. Big Vegeta okay. energy. Um, yep. Dot, dot, dot. Shouldn't this be a season finale? I get that. Yep. It genuinely felt weird to have four episodes after this. Yes. You're not wrong. That's the only note I have. Because the prom, uh, the prom, because yeah, the prom definitely does have like penultimate energy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Episode 10, The Beacon. Blaming themselves, the princesses question the alliance. Meanwhile, Glimmer is hiding glitches from her mom, and Adora is worried about her training. Good God, for a critical episode, this s- definitely seems like filler. Jesus Christ. Um, okay. Yeah, it does. You know, I can get that. They definitely set themselves up with some new problems with the whole glitching thing and and, and Trapta still being alive because, of course, she's still alive. No one would ever believe that she was dead. I, oh, um, actually, this is the thing. I genuinely was like, what the, what, what's up with you guys? Just go back for a Is there a reason you can't go back for a And then they're like, oh, she's gone, gone. And I'm like, oh, was I supposed to think she was dead? <laughs> genuinely was like holy shit i did not know that that's what you wanted me to think (laughs) whoops my bad well i think i think our media literacy is getting in the way a little bit because like yeah for all intents and purposes they did establish that that hallway they were going into if you don't make it through the door you will likely die so like when she doesn't make it through the door in the death hallway yeah, to I them, mean, yeah, I missed sense. the part. But like, I missed the part where know. it's basically you die. I thought it was just that you're stuck. But yeah, uh, like yeah, my notes were kind of similar. I mean, I said of course she's not dead. Uh, based on Entrapta's color scheme alone, this was kind of predictable that she was gonna have this like half turncoat moment because she doesn't like have a vested interest in the overall conflict. Um, I do love that literally she just keeps getting unshackled and then going back to it being like, oh, right, I'm I'm supposed to be playing this social role of prisoner. Got it. Um, I did. I do like that. Episode 11, The Promise. Adora enters the first one citadel with Catra on her tail. No, I'm not going to do that. Adora enters the first one citadel with Catra on her tail. Get it? Inside, they're caught in an illusion simulator that brings back painful memories. Um, I love that even the first ones couldn't escape poor algorithmic answer generation. Um, that's my funny way of commenting <laughs> on the fact that they played on that trope. Uh, yeah, relationship battle episode. Um, or slash the villain I want episode. Either way, they give very Gamora and Nebula vibes. But uh, if they Gamora and Nebula were dating. Like... The amount that I just don't care about basically anything that is in Catra and Adora at this point. <laughs> uh. Genuinely, I'm just like, show you're doing one thing kind of really good. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like that Homer Simpson gif with the donuts in hell. I'm just like, I no, more, <laughs> more, <laughs> more. <laughs> Episode 12, Light Hope. Swift uh, Swift Wind comes to Bright Moon, Entrapta decrypts the first one's data crystal, and Light Hope tells Adora about the history of She-Ra and Etheria. I don't like this voice for Swift Wind. <laughs> um, I did watch several episodes ahead. I'm about five episodes into the next season. And uh, I definitely, like, 
I'm like, I don't know how to feel about Swiftwin and Seahawk being in the same show. Um, <laughs> they feel too similar. Uh, but yes. Uh, oh, yeah. The quote I had from this moment is creepy. Yes, I've been called that before. And then slowly followed by, wait, do I have to explain math to you? Uh, I thought that was funny. And uh, so the the biggest quote from this entire season is when they realize that Entrapta can actually be of their benefit and that Entrapta will just do it for the sake of science is you're asking me about my theories. I've waited years for someone to ask me about my theories. Wait, I've made a model. I'm like, that's a, it's all over TikTok, And also it's just a great fucking line delivery and a fun fucking line. And honestly, I'm surprised you don't like Entrapta more because that's you. Um, when anybody asks about your niche interests. So, uh, Oh, that's such a, they kind of say to me, (laughs) um, they do hint at the bigger story about like, Oh, what's Hordak's actual motive here. And like these, these, uh, these guys, what, what is it? Um, not guide stones, something stones, um, that are like going to be the bigger story. And then there's the trope of like, yes, the rigidity of the mission, uh, being, being opposite, uh, you know, being opposite your personal connections. It's like, okay, cool. This is star Wars. Um, so like, cool, whatever. Um, Oh, I was going to say, uh, continuing on from my, I don't like the voice for Swiftwind. I actually maybe would have preferred if they pulled a nibbler from Futurama here and just like, you know, this unicorn thing, just like, just give him a, like a big booming, like overly like Michael Clark Duncan, like, you know, you know what? Actually, um, what I forgot his name from infinity train, but the dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like something like that. I would have preferred something like that. I think what you said about this guy in Swift Swin and uh, 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 Seahawk uh, being too similar, I think that's valid. I think it's just like, yeah, they're we don't like, need more snark. They're like attractive white boys who can play the lead in Book of Mormon. Like, that's who they are. We don't need more um, snark. We need more sincerity and like maybe over sincerity, actually. <laughs> Well, like Swift, Swiftwin gets a little bit funny because his whole thing, whereas Seahawk, Seahawk is very much adventure, huzzah! Like Swiftwin is very much the liberation of my people is actually very important to me. Um, like he says a lot of shit throughout where it's like, yeah, no, when are you, I noticed you had a bunch of horses and stables and I think we need to have a, you know, a, a diplomatic discussion about that. Um, like the second he gets sentience, he's like a social justice person i thought that was funny but he does he does get grading that reminds um, me we do still on. have to talk about solo at some point um yeah okay adora's <laughs> adora's arc is uh, rushed to say the absolute least about that because i literally i cannot organize my thoughts anymore about some of this stuff um it's like all of a sudden it's i there's a lot. I'm not going to... Okay. Uh, at least Catra gets to do boss shit. Awesome. I like that Catra gets to do boss shit. Um, episode 13, The Battle of Bright Moon, and Traptas... God, that name. And Traptas' plan to weaken the other rune stones. There you go. That's what Weaken the other rune stones allows Catra and Scorpia to, t- to attack bright, bright Moon. But Adora and her friends are ready to fight back. I know how to read English. Um, 
I'm totally fine if twice a season Seahawk, without even explaining, if we just see it in the background, Seahawk has a, sh- a, f- a ship on fire that he uses a, as an attack. I am totally fine with that recurring joke um, because I like it a lot. Uh, and Frosta feels like it's she's trying to be tough um, in this one. And that will actually keep coming up a little bit later uh, in the few, in the next season. So I'm like, OK, all right. Um, and then beyond that, yeah, it's a battle episode. Cool. Yeah, I'm ready to be done. Yep. Uh, fuck. Uh, least valuable episode? Uh, probably the one. I don't. I don't remember the name of it, and I'm scooting my butt away from my computer, so I'm more comfortable. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but the one where they go to her aunt's wizard school. Understandable. Yeah, and like my second to that is Raz, the third episode, because I'm just like, mm, you needed a bridge to get from one point to the other. Yeah. Does Raz even really? come up again meaningfully after this the person that she keeps calling she-ra mara which is like mara comes up i think at the end of this season and then in future season and like it's 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 a they mention mara a lot in the beginning of the next season and so yeah like raz herself doesn't yet at least in what i've seen but like the concept of raz having seen a she-ra before definitely like gets brought up Mm. um I, I mean, fucking, I could take my pick, but I'm just for the what I'm gonna do next. The beginning of Princess Prom, yeah, and then the end of Princess Prom is your most valuable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of my most valuable, I guess yeah, Princess Prom. Um, and to clarify, uh, I'm only singling out the beginning of Princess Prom because I absolutely do not like the thing with Glimmer and Bo. I'm like, nope. No. And once you establish like that that she's doing that, th- it needs to be a much bigger like that's not okay. That's not okay. <laughs> None of this halfway shit. None of this, well you also did it. No, no, no. <laughs> That's bad. That's a bad thing that you're doing. Stop it. You're not being a good friend. <laughs> and then to fu- to f- for me to find out other things that happen later, I'm like, oh, hell no. That's actually very unhealthy then. <laughs> oh, like as in you've been spoiled for future things with them? I went ahead and spoiled myself I haven't. on that one. I was just like, yeah, fuck it. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I guess I will also say Princess Prom. I guess like very close second to that i really did like no princess left behind i mean yeah eight like that whole arc that whole arc eight and nine have a very like again i'm like this would have been really strong as a as a like a two-part season finale yeah uh let's go let's go with the just the uh, most valuable character Oh, is this so you can then go? Everyone is least valuable. No, it's because fireball. It's because there's no sus- fireball. It's because mo- everyone already knows what my most valuable character is. Let's just get out of the fucking way. No, okay, the right. best character in this fucking show. I haven't decided who my most valuable character <laughs> it's is. Catra, Trevor. Thank you. It's Catra. Um, <laughs> like. Even just, but here's the even thing. just singling out what you pointed out in the uh, No Princess Left Behind, when she's dragging the sword and like when she just turns and gives it to her, it's just like, ah! 
I love, I love Vegeta character. But the thing about Catra, <laughs> the thing about Catra is that everything about Catra is intertwined with Adora. Everything about her. And so I'm kind of like, when I think about like most valuable character, I'm like, when you, when, if you remove this character, what's the show? And so in a way you can make Catra most valuable, but is she still as valuable if you just remove Adora? I mean, because then she does kind of become a one dimensional villain. I mean, you could still argue that perhaps you could still have the, uh, potentially like, I mean, she then just basically, I mean, I guess spoilers for last uh, avatar. Uh, she then just basically becomes Zuko. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she really, yeah, she very much is the Zuko, Zuko character. Um, yeah, okay, then I guess in terms of my most valuable, I mean, I can't really disagree with you, so I'm just going to speak to the merit. I'm going to say, yeah, it's Catra, but I'm going to speak to the merits of some other characters as an opportunity to, like, do that. I think Scorpia is a great foil. I think Scorpia literally only being on the side of evil because people are kind of, like, prejudiced against her family and what she looks like is... And her still being chipper and positive and all through all that is really great and really interesting. Um, I think Entrapta being on the side of science and that leading her down really treacherous paths is a fun way. Because I think at, at the core of this, there was a, you know, 80s She-Ra show as a counter to He-Man. And they were very much animated the same way. And something that came up when this show first came out is that, like, the show that it's modeled after has very much same face, same character syndrome. All these characters have different powers, but they're basically the same person walking around doing these, like, melodramatic conflicts. And this show definitely took it back to the drawing board with all these characters to give them very distinct personalities in a way that I really appreciate. And they take the source material of who these characters are and they play with the mechanics of it like having because i i think entrapta starts as a villain in the original it's just like here are the good guys and here are the bad guys and scorpia and catra are modeled after sharp pointy things and entrapta is a evil genius and so it's like it's not the same but having her start off as this kind of great character going back and forth between the conflict but really only caring about the science and that causing hurts to her friends in a way that she doesn't understand i'm like i really i think entrapta gets a lot of work done in this season and it is somebody i want to see how her story unfolds and then everybody else is just a part of the team so oh sorry and not well and adora i, I like adora but i could have used a little bit more adora character development from like a personality standpoint, but I mean, I guess it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, she could be, I think she does. I think they do a good job of not making her truly like an archetypal Captain America esque person. Like she has perspective on perspectives on things. I actually would have liked that though. I will say, I don't, I think that her not being a paragon and being able and like falling short of of the Shira expectation, I like that she definitely she's kind of a job. Yeah, the fact that she can be like Shira and this like ethereal being, and also like she approaches things with like being tactical, and she's still feminine. And you know, I think they 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 do a very good job of just making her a, a decently real person. 
like, because I actually do like Paragons. I think it's specifically, it's like that thing I mentioned earlier of the video game movie principle of like, do I like this because it's really good or do I like it because it's the juxtaposition of them not being that many good things? I like Paragons because there's people don't want to do Paragons. Like, I think it's because there aren't a lot of Captain Americas or Supermen or Gokus that like anytime you kind of see one, it's not any, any, there aren't that many Angs. And I'm like, I wish there were more. <laughs> Um, I, and I think a lot of that is that I think there used to be a million. I think the default hero used to be Paragon. And I think that's what like gets people to like could subvert it and stuff like that. And I will say that like Adora is Paragon adjacent. Like she's not so far removed from it. Yeah. I'm just saying like if they had like, gone yeah. more down that path, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded like, right. Um, because I'm a sucker for like those types of characters that are just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm doing the right thing. Like, I actually really like those kind of principled characters. Um, and I also like her being a jock. I think maybe they could have slightly leaned a little bit more into that. But, you know, again, that's why I'm like, it's fine. The way that she is now, it's like, it's fine. Uh, least valuable character. Uh, for me, it's a tie between Castorella, her aunt, and Shadow Weaver. Shadow Weaver was solidified by the fact that, like, yeah, Shadow Weaver spends three episodes being in denial about Adora in a way we don't understand. Then, and I'm just like, oh, I don't need Shadow Weaver. Uh, what is? Remind me of the name of uh the Ice Princess. Frosta. Frosta. She doesn't get a lot this season. Um, she gets a really good episode at the beginning of next season. So. I'm caught between the two definitions you could potentially have of least valuable character. There's the character you like the least, and then there's the character that offers the least to the story. Um, In that second vein, I think it's Frosta, because she had an episode to basically show everything that she could be, and it just, just like, nah, it didn't do anything for me. So it's like by default, I'm just kind of like, well, you didn't really do anything when you had your spotlight. So I'm sorry. Um, and then there's the character I did. I liked the least. And that was Entrapta. Um, Interesting. Talk more. I, you remember Cowboy Bebop? Sure. Remember Ed? Oh, you feel like. You feel like it's just Ed? I don't think it's just Ed, but I'm saying like my problems with Ed are kind of just my problems with Entrapta of just like, this is a character whose job it is to be zany and quirky and it more so just grates on me and is very annoying. That's why I'm like, you calling me very similar to Entrapta just feeds all of my self-loathing very much. (laughs) I think I am one of the most annoying people on the fucking planet. (laughs) It's the quote. But that's the thing is that her theories are worthwhile. Her theories actually are massively progressing science at every turn. She just happens to be doing it for the bad guys. I would have liked if she was more neutral. I would have liked if that was actually a thing. If like... Yeah, so, so you don't like her obliviousness to the conflict itself. I like... I would think I would like it better if she would... If she saw the battle and was like, I think the battle's pointless. 
I think the battle is like, you guys are wasting all your time and resources doing this bullshit when we actually could just be doing shit for science that could benefit everyone. So I don't care who I'm helping. I don't care what side I'm on. I'm just researching this because I think there's a bigger thing at play here. And then it would be nice if that was paid off in like the very end of the show of like, yeah, there is something b- bigger going off. Like kind of the Game of Thrones thing, right? Like looking into yeah, yeah. the ice zombies is a much bigger deal than the political squabbles of the realm. I would have personally liked that. I can fuck with that. More, but that also means that the show itself has to be a little bit more nuanced and that's not what they wanted to do. Well, I also think that that's not the perspective they're taking on the character because anytime yeah. anybody presents Entrapta, like, like, yeah, when they're over the screen um, in like episode 11 or something like that, episode 12, um, and yeah, no, episode 11 where over the screen. Oh, no, no, no. This is next season. Sorry. No, it's the next season. Um, there's an episode next season where like it's it's revealed to the group that Entrapta is not dead and that Entrapta is, in fact, making the better weapons. And Entrapta is on a video com- a video chat with Katra and then Katra flips the screen around and they're like, we, we're going to get you out of there. And she's like, um, OK, all my stuff's here, though. And she's like, it, it's it's deliberate that like. No, she's oblivious. She's oblivious to the motivations of others. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think we've been saying from the beginning how we feel about this show. Don't make me watch another season of this. I I am hard pressed because I feel like I'm going to go watch the rest of it. And maybe that's enough. Um, You know, there is a part of me that might do this out of mercy. <laughs> Well, no, I don't think that's fair. I want you to vote honestly. Voting honestly, I'm going to renew it. That's fine. Voting honestly, I have to reject it because I just fundamentally did not enjoy myself. But I don't think it'll be the worst thing in the world to keep going. Because, yeah, I mean, I ship Adora and Catra, so I'm just going to get more of that and like yeah that's that's not going away right so it's just like i mean mean, okay fine (laughs) um so but yeah i it's just not a show for me and sometimes that happens i see the merit in certain aspects of the show it's just i would not watch this in my free time uh especially not when there's potentially other shows that i could like more so it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it's similar to... We haven't gone back to Infinity Train on the show, but I liked it enough to where I watched the rest of it. And this is the show I'm going to watch the rest of because, like, A, it's pretty short. Um, I think it's a total of maybe 30 to 40 episodes left for the entirety of the series, and they're 20 minutes, So I'm and I like it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm probably just going to finish this show independently, which is why I was comfortable being like, listen, if we don't want to keep covering things on the show, like, I can... Do I can do a sacrifice vote um, for the sake of watching something that we may want to keep talking about consistently. Um, I get that. But, you know, we have ideas as to how to clean up the roster. A purge, if you will. Uh, <laughs> That's actually a great fucking title for it. The Rejector Renew Purge. The purge. That's, oh, you're getting me exciting. <laughs> you're getting me excited about this idea, TJ. Oh, boy. Okay, so I think with all that out of the way, it's finally time. Yeah. 
Welcome, one and all, to the Red Team Reviews Draft Lottery, where we will decide what show to review next month, or at least the next time we're set to review a show. Here's how it works. On our website, redteampod.com, as well as buried in the bowels of our Instagram, at redteampod, there is a list of 60 shows divided into three categories. Comedy, drama slash action, and animation. From this scientifically curated list, we will find six potential options for our next reject or renew segment. The first two options are selected by you, our loyal listeners. If a single show gets the most votes, it's entered twice. In the event of a two-way tie, both shows that got the most votes from you at home get added to the draft. And if multiple shows tie, we break the tie in whatever way we deem most fitting. Usually some form of a dice roll. You know, because we're nerds. Next, we have two chances to continue a show we've renewed in the past. And finally, both Trevor and myself are given a pick to choose whatever show we want, even if it's not on the list. So, all told, there will be six possible shows for us to review next. Two slots for a show you've chosen, two slots to continue a show we've already started, and one pick from each of us that could quite literally be anything. Well. That's all you need to know. Back to you, me. Jesus Christ, just get out of here, me. Good Lord, nobody wants you around. Anyway, so time for the draft lottery. Uh, our fan vote is going to be pretty pretty anti anticlimactic, really, uh, because I believe last time it was these two as well, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, we are going to flip a coin just so we know which is one and which is two. And, all right, Righteous Gemstones is number one. Gargoyles is number two. For our uh, random picks to renew one of the shows we've already started, we have Coming In Hot at number three. Very appropriate for October. (laughs) Once again, Batman the Animated Series. Somehow this keeps happening because last year it was Buffy. We keep getting appropriate things to cover in October. Uh, unfortunately, that trend was not continued because then we got Game of Thrones as number four, which, you know, not the worst thing to cover in October. I mean, fine. And then uh, us knowing certain things about the schedule wouldn't be a terrible thing to have to cap off October. Um, now we have our personal picks. My personal pick because... Uh, I, look, I actually, I actively feel bad now that I, that I missed out on us doing this in September. I am obligated to say a spectacular Spider-Man. I, that's on me. I dropped the ball. It really should have happened in September (laughs) with us doing Spider-Man month. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just weird now but i'm obligated to at least for this month just throw out spectacular spider-man maybe we do it maybe we don't fine 
Uh, my pick was gonna be about trying to get some of this stuff off the docket, but now that, now that, like, we might have some other thoughts about how to get some of these renewals, like, progressing and actually get, get through some shows, um, I wanna put a pick back on here that I just really wanna watch again, because every time I've watched it, I have enjoyed it, um, and it's new, <laughs> and so I'm going to be putting, now that it has been approved for the formal list, I'm going to be t- choosing Ted Lasso. You're gonna get. You're gonna make me get fucking Apple TV. I will get Apple TV, and you can take my password. <laughs> Would you chill? It's so funny because one of us is an Apple user, and yet the other one's gonna get Apple TV. Right. <laughs> um. It's fine. I haven't. I'm, my streak was all of last year. I don't. I don't get wins anymore. So I know it's not gonna win. <laughs> I mean, anything could happen. I only had like one streak for like a a bit. So. And also, honestly, we've been winning a, a lot. It could be <laughs> a fan pick or a renewal. Yeah. Like, I think we're due. So, a lot to go for here. Uh, so, to recap, we have at number one, Righteous Gemstones. At number two, Gargoyles. At number three, Batman the Animated Series. At number four, Game of Thrones. Oh, I should say, uh, Batman the Animated Series, the rest of season one, as listed on HBO Max. Uh, at number four, Game of Thrones, season two. Uh, for my personal pick at number five, we have the entire series of Spectacular Spider-Man with 26 episodes. Uh, and for Trevor, we have... Uh, what? I already forgot what you said. What did you say? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, season one. Cool. So, let's roll them bone and... Throw that virtual D6 and see what we get. <laughs> you make that noise every time, so I don't know I what do, it means. Because it's somehow all always the most appropriate thing. These dice know what they're doing. <laughs> so Is it Batman? Very fittingly, for the month of October, we are going to be finishing. Batman the Animated Series Season 1. God damn it. I hate this. I hate this. I hated it last time. It's not... I could not get through it last time. I don't imagine that's going to change. So, this is a waste for me. Um... I'm just waiting for you to accuse me of uh, fake laughing so I can pull out that Guardian's quote. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> Sounds like a fake laugh. It's real. Um, <laughs> you ruined it. Uh, <laughs> so. You didn't, you could have just waited. You could have kept waiting. <laughs> you know. We all have regrets. Uh, so <laughs> tune in next month, at the end of next month, uh, for us to cover Batman the Animated Series, the rest of season one at least. Uh, for next week, we are starting October. So expect October-themed things. Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed. Woohoo-hoo, Woo-hoo. even. Woo-hoo. Uh, I'm an owl. Those are spooky. Woohoo-hoo! <laughs> Man, man, man. 1985, also spooky. Um, Ronald Reagan. Isn't that the year Ghostbusters came out? Wait a minute. 
I don't know. Because that's that's really spooky if that's the case. 1984. Damn, off by a single year. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but wasn't that the year the video game industry crashed? I think that's the year the video game industry crashed. Um, anyway, so we covered a lot today. We did. It was a very loaded. Some of this episode. might get cut. Some of this <laughs> might get cut. Uh, <laughs> if that's the case, I don't know. Maybe we'll put it on the uh, the bonus section on our website. For once, we actually did an episode so long and so segmented enough that it absolutely could be bonus content. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Um, any lasting thoughts on any of the number of things we've talked about today? It was a roller coaster. We did a whole theme park today. <laughs> it wasn't even just a roller coaster. <laughs> we did multiple rides. What is your favorite uh, roller coaster? What? No, we, we, there's, this episode's too long. Just end the episode. <laughs> I'm genuinely curious. <laughs> you can talk to me about that on our own. We don't need to talk about it on mic. End the episode. <laughs> You're no fun. All right. <laughs> I've been TJ Patrick. I'm Trevor Catalano. Check us out on our socials at Red Team Pod. Uh, go visit our website, redteampod.com, to vote on uh, v- fan votes. Please, for the love of God, we can't have the same winners every month. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, with, that, with all that done, Spider-Man Month is done. We're entering October, the month of spoops. Um... I have, we have no idea what's happening in the world right now because we're being responsible and recording all this theory early. Uh, so we can't say anything relevant to anything current, but let's hope that things aren't on fire. End the episode. Let's hope. In which case, uh, goodbye. Bye. We'll see you next week. You're so impatient. I had a lot of rage this episode. You do. I had a lot of rage. Bye. Bye. <laughs>